0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And let's get this Super Bowl weekend started with the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Uh, listen, if you know
1: anyone, uh, a good buddy of mine bought uh, a 40-yard line box seats for the Super Bowl. Um, he bought them last year. He paid 2500 bucks each, but I didn't realize... Last year when he bought him, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding, probably because of the extra game this year and all that. So if you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. Yeah, so the wedding's at Calvary Church in San Clemente at 3 p.m. The bride's name is Marie. She's 5'4", about 115 pounds, good cook, and she'll be in the white dress. Thank
0: you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) That's a great one. I I like that one. That's one of my favorite uh, Duff jokes that we've had so far especially fitting in with the Super Bowl, making us laugh, thanks to Duff, and thanks to everyone who's already got their tickets for Fozzie's upcoming Save the World Tour. We're hitting the road again starting March 31st in Detroit, Rock City, and we are headed everywhere across this great country. Connecticut, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Texas, Nevada, California, Colorado. Get your tickets at FozzyRock.com. Our VIP meet and greets are legendary. We'll be doing those as well. We play a mini set for you, five songs, some you won't hear later that night. There's still tickets available, still VIPs available. Get them now at FozzyRock.com and get on the mailing list to book a cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea four leaf clover we're now setting sail february 2nd 2023 we're going to our own private island first time ever on the cruise we got a killer lineup of talent you can check it out when you sign up for the mailing list at JerichoCruise.com. all right today february 11th might not mean anything special to you but i guarantee it means a hell of a lot to boxing fans and two in particular of course the greatest of all time one of them mike tyson And one of the greatest uh, one-hit wonders if boxing was rock and roll, talking about Buster Douglas. Today, 32 years ago, at the Tokyo Dome in Japan, I've headlined it three times with Kenny Omega, Naito, and Tanahashi, but uh, 32 years ago at the Dome, Buster Douglas did the unthinkable, the improbable, the unbelievable. He knocked out Iron Mike Tyson. The greatest upset in boxing history, probably the greatest upset in sports history altogether. I've got boxing expert Johnny Sig coming up to explain how it happened. We get into the circumstances surrounding the fight, how Buster Douglas even got the opportunity to fight Mike Tyson in the first place. We talked about the adversity both fighters faced during this time, the death of Buster Douglas's mother, Mike Tyson's divorce from Robin Givens, and the big changes to his team and corner, the role Don King played in the whole thing, Mike's lack of training, uh, how he went completely nuts in partying and having sex in the weeks leading up to the fight. He totally underestimated Buster Douglas, and he paid the price by losing The championship at the Tokyo Dome We're going to break down the fight itself Go in-depth on the controversial Eighth round, and of course We talk about the fallout from the knockout The impact it had on both fighters' lives So here we go, back to February 11th 1990, Tokyo, Japan It's inner circle member Iron Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas And the knockout heard around the world Right here, right now On Talk is Jericho So always looking for interesting subjects here on Talk is Jericho, and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Timmy Mangione, had an idea that he said he had a friend who was really kind of an expert on the famous Mike Tyson-Buster Douglas fight, which is considered one of the biggest upsets in sports history, which it basically is. Such an interesting story. And first of all, Johnny, how do you know so much about this event? You know, my father got me into boxing
1: and a uh, huge boxing fan, obviously. I remember watching this fight February 11th in 1990. Wow. You know, one of the biggest upsets in boxing history or sports history in general. 42 to one underdog was Buster Douglas. So, You know, my background goes back to uh, my father getting me into boxing and my love affair with the sport, whether it's Evander Holyfield, Oscar De La Hoya, Felix Trinidad, it goes on and on and on. And thank you for bringing me on your show today, brother.
0: No, I'm excited, man. And and, and like I said, because obviously Tyson has been on Talk is Jericho before, probably one of the worst guests I've ever had. (laughs) <laughs> on the show. He didn't understand that he had to do uh, talk when he's on a podcast, but I know Mike very well. He's obviously a member of the inner circle. I've had a lot of uh, interactions with Mike and Mike Tyson. Now, when you're talking about this guy, you know, in 2010 to 2022, which has been my interactions with him, he's a completely different man. Well, even more so now than he was in 2010, but he's a completely different man than he was Back in 1988, 89, 90, like you mentioned, let's just talk a little bit about, because people forget just how impactful Mike Tyson was on the sport of boxing at this point in time uh, in February of 1990, but beforehand, just what he had done and how he kind of revamped the whole sport. At this point in time, Mike Tyson
1: was indestructible. He was destroying everybody in the ring early underneath on average I believe five rounds and the thing about Mike Tyson is that he was a big Muhammad Ali fan and he took out guys like Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbick that beat Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson made certain that he beat the hell out of those guys Mike Tyson was at the point of you know, where you have a situation where a fighter is really coming to his prime, his promise. And, but we have to understand that he won the heavyweight title at 20 years old. Jeez. Think about that, right? Think about that. And so everyone in the world is telling him that you're the greatest to ever do it. You're better than Joe Lewis. You're better than Muhammad Ali. All that kind of stuff. And then next thing you know... Is that Mike Tyson is like lining people up and has to have a meeting with Buster Douglas. And that meeting was probably the biggest, like you said, upset in boxing and sports history. But there's a lot of things I have to unpack here about that. Mike Tyson went through a lot of stuff in his entire life. You know, he had a situation where he was abandoned. And he was kind of adopted by Costumato. Costamato had died prior to Mike Tyson actually winning the world title. He had guys like Don King, who I don't really have a problem with. But at the same time, Don was just looking after Don's best interests and trying to push Mike as best as he could, Robin Gibbons, all this type of stuff. Long story short. Mike was going through a lot of changes and at 23 years old, before he lost to Buster Douglas, we have to understand that at 23 years old, I couldn't figure out a lot of stuff. Mike Tyson is being told he's the greatest ever strongest guy ever and and enabled to do a lot of things to go out and fight in the universe of great boxing. Because if you look at boxing at that point in time in the nineties, There was a lot of amazing fighters. Burr Cooper, Evander Holyfield, the list goes on and on. Riddick Bowe, Lennox Lewis. That's a lot to unpack. He was out there doing it. Buster Douglas happened to be on the opposite side of the fence. He was more motivated and galvanized, unfortunately, by his mother's death. And also he has a father, Buster Douglas does, that was a boxer that you gave him tutelage. So there was a, a crossroads here. And I think what happened was that Buster Douglas just happened to be at as much as I love Mike Tyson, and you know him, and I don't ever disrespect any fighter, but Buster Douglas just
0: happened to be the better man that night. Once again, you talk about Mike being 23 years old, and then we could just kind of, his record is 37 and 0 at this point in time. 33 KOs, Mm -hmm. Buster Douglas is 4 and one with 19 KOs. So it's not like Buster's not exactly a Tijuana taxi driver here. You know, he's got a decent enough record. But what was it that put Buster in contention to get this match? Because once again, Tyson is on fire right now. And if you're working with Tyson and fighting Tyson, you're making some big money. So I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are wanting to get involved with him and get a fight against him. I
1: think what happens and that's a great question is that Buster Douglas was coming up back to uh, prominence like where he was winning six fights in a row after his loss to Tony Tucker in which he was doing a great job in he was looking sharp he was looking great but you know he got stopped in that fight but then he went on to win six fights in a row and then actually seven, if you look at it, because he knocked out Mike Tyson for Mike, I think what happened there was his trainers were incompetent. I hate to ever say this, but I mean, come on, let's look at facts. Go back to the fights. You know, anyone that's listening an ends is a whole cold compass that you put on someone's face to help them with swelling. Mike Tyson's corner pretty much put a condom water balloon on his face to hold up Swan. They were incomparable.
0: But before we get into that, though, Johnny, this explain just how important the corner is to a boxer. And also, too, what you're saying, because a lot of people listening won't know the whole story. He had changed. Basically, it's a team, his whole team of cornermen at this point in time. Why would he have done that? And what exactly transpired to make that happen?
1: Well, you know, what I think transpired is that Don King came in, changed things up. They got rid of Kevin Rooney, who is probably one of the greatest trainers for Mike Tyson in his personality. Like, I really believe that family structure is everything in life. Mm -hmm. Well, Costamato, like who actually took on Mike Tyson as a father figure, was a very big deal. But once Cuss left the building, unfortunately, they had Mike just kind of like go out, you know, figure out like, you know, who's going to be my promoter, who's going to be my girlfriend. He had no guidance is my point. And I feel like the guidance of Mike Tyson was really, you know, failed. Like a lot of people also say like uh, maybe because he was in Tokyo. He fought in Tokyo before that. Mike's been all over the place. Like he's done a lot of stuff. Oh, he had.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It wasn't Tokyo. It wasn't the food. Like a lot of people suggest. And I love me. some Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson is probably one of the greatest boxers ever, especially at heavyweight ranks, the way he would go down to the body and come up with the uppercut second to none. Mike Tyson on his best day is gonna be someone else's worst day, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> like it's gonna just not gonna end up well for you. But to answer your question is that um I think the corner had a lot to do with it. I think the divorce had a lot to do with it, Robin Gibbons. The changing of management and changing of just overall trainers, like you have to have an end swell, you have to have things that could help you with swelling. Look at Mike Tyson's eye at the end of that fight. Mm-hmm. It was so blown up and so swelled up
0: because they were putting water balloons or condoms, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, instead of the compress to get this eye down. But l- like I said, we'll, we'll get to that part of the fight, but basically what had what happened to you is just – kind of doing some reading as you're talking is that when Tyson uh, became as big as he did. And once again, you're talking about a 23 year old kid from the streets who makes his living by beating the shit out of people. Of course he's going to lose. It happens to to the best of us, but especially a ghetto kid who's now one of the most famous and richest man in the world. Of course, he's going to lose his mind happened to Conor McGregor happens to a lot of different guys. So Don King weaseled his way in there encouraged Tyson to cut all of his ties with the D'Amato camp. And you mentioned, mentioned Cus D'Amato, who was was Mike's mentor, and Kevin Rooney was one of Cus guys that he placed in with Tyson. Is that correct? That is right. Right.
1: You know, and, and the thing about if you look at, you know, what Cuss, what he did for Mike, Mike never had, from my understanding, he never really had that father figure. And Cus was that guy that's where we really start to like drop the ball on what happened with Mike in terms of like, you look at the things with Robin Gibbons that, you know, he was going through. And
0: he was married to Robin Gibbons, who was a famous TV star at the time. And tell us kind of what happened with that, with that marriage.
1: What happened with that is that I I think she was just cash grabbing on someone that was (laughs) let's face facts back in the day. Mike Tyson was one of the, biggest people on the planet in terms of star power. And and so like what happened there was I think she went after him and I think Mike was very vulnerable to want to have something like that in terms of having a wife or a stable relationship. Cause I think Mike was very unstable, like his whole life. Yeah, If you look at like the father figures, yes, his mother and, how he, you know, gravitated towards Cuss. A lot of it has to do with, I think, being unstable. And I think he gave too much. And let's face facts, guys. You know, my wife might not be happy to hear this. Robin Gibbons is hot. Yes, very much. <laughs> I don't blame Mike Tyson.
0: But once again, too, Johnny, not just hot as in physically attractive, but she was very hot in the scene. Like we mentioned, her show, I think it was Head of the Class, was 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 the top show or one of the top shows So it was like a real kind of a Hollywood power couple at this point in time. You know, the the, the, the big tabloids that everyone's talking about, Tyson and Givens, you know, and you're dealing with two kids in their early 20s. So once again, even if they weren't famous, things might have unraveled. But then there was accusations or or whatever that Tyson was, was getting physically abusive with her. And there was that whole side of it as well, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, there, there was, uh, there, there was allegations that were sent out that Mike was verbally and physically abusive. I cannot, you know, deny or confirm that, you know, but at the same time, like, I, I think Mike is always going to be Mike. Like he explodes, like he's real. He'll go through emotion. I don't want to speak for him again, but he'll go through emotion where if he feels something is up, like he'll re- respond to it if you've ever seen his um, interviews where he goes after a reporter and a reporter says something that he doesn't like, Mike will respond, right? Yeah. He'll get right on it. And he'll be like, you know what? I'm done with this. Go F yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Mike don't take any crap off anybody, dude. I'm not saying um, he did those things. The whole rape thing is, is another story for another time. I mean, he's one of those polarizing figures, man. Like he's one of those guys that's larger than life. Like if you look at Mike Tyson, he's, he's gotta be one of the greatest heavyweights of all time.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. And he still has that aura. Like I mentioned, when he was, he's been with AEW two or three times now. and, And when he's there, you know, there is a lineup of people who want to take pictures with him. You know, he's still Mike. King Tyson. And it's actually pretty funny when (laughs) when last year we did a thing where Mike was there and he wanted to get involved. And we were actually trying to figure out a way to have a match with him. And it just didn't work out. It might work out in the future. But one of the ideas was that he and I would get into kind of a pull apart. So we did this thing where we were in the ring and and, and Mike kind of comes out to interrupt us. But when he came to the ring, he had an entourage of about five or six guys. Now why I say that is backstage, I didn't see any of these guys. I had no idea that he was going to bring all these guys to the ring. So he was just like, okay, you can come and you can come. And it was like, fricking there was like, I'm kind of forgetting all the guys that were there, but there was like MMA guys that were there, like legit killers. And then some of his friends that were hanging around. And it's just like, where did all these people come from? <laughs> like, wh- wh- what is he doing here? You know what I mean? So, and once again, if it was anybody else in the wrestling business, you'd be like, what the hell is this? But because it's Tyson, you just go with it. You know what I mean? And, and that's just, it, actually, it was Vitor Belfort was there, Henry Cajudo, Rashad Evans, all these guys in the ring. And I'm like, who are these guys? But Tyson has the aura, whereas, hey, listen, he's here. As long as he shows up, just go with it, even to this day. But back in 88, 89, 90, it was probably even, even more so, like you mentioned, because he became very famous very fast. That's exactly
1: what he did if you If you look at Mike Tyson from an in person greeting meeting, whatever, and I've been around Mike before when you see him walk in a room, it's like Darth Vader coming in the room. yes, everyone knows who who you are, what you're doing, you know, like you just look at him and you're like, "Oh my God, that's Mike Tyson,
0: but he's actually very nice, very he's, he's- much, very humble, very soft spoken. And something else I was gonna mention, and then we'll get into the actual kind of the whole buildup for the fight, is if I was just watching the the new Peter Jackson documentary about the Beatles get back. And one of the things that I noticed the same with well, their their manager Brian Epstein passed away in 67, and here they are in 69 without a leader, without a without a father figure, without a daddy figure, as Paul McCartney says. And that's I think one of the reasons why the Beatles broke up. Had Brian Epstein not died the Beatles would have probably held it together. Same thing with Tyson here. Had Cus D'Amato not died, and had Don King not moved in and kind of removed all of his elements, Tyson might have been stayed grounder for a longer period of time. Grounded. I agree
1: with that point 10%. Is I think that when Cuss passed away, that Mike kind of lost his way. But now you got to mind you that Mike Tyson did win the heavyweight championship of the world first one to do it and the only one to do it at the age of 20 to be undisputed, that was a big deal to Mike. Mike Tyson's a big fan of boxing. The one thing about Mike is that he watched film, and that's why you get these combinations from Mike when he was at his best with the body in the head, Mm. a left hook to the liver, a left uppercut to the chin, and he would throw a right hand. Like Mike Tyson was the baddest man, like they call, on the planet. I'm a huge Holyfield fan. I'm a huge Lennox Lewis fan. But I tell you what, Mike Tyson, in his heyday, when he learned the lessons from these great guys, these great mentors, that's what he needed. But then when those said people left his life, like, even go back to Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas was a big, big, big part of Mike Tyson's life and trying to train him. But Mike, unfortunately, tried to fornicate, <laughs> like as Mike always talks about, with Teddy Atlas's niece. And oh. Teddy didn't like that. <laughs> and I don't blame him. I wouldn't like that either. I'm sure you wouldn't, Chris, either as well. So Teddy, like, got nuts from my understanding, drew a gun on Mike Tyson and left the camp.
0: So going into this fight, Tyson is the WCWA and IBF champion. Yes, sir. He's got all the controversies going on, but his last fight was a 93 second knockout of Carl the Truth Williams. So they are considering this Buster Douglas fight to be basically a warm-up to face Holyfield. This is this is fairly exactly easy. what it was. So once again, how does douglas get this shot when when i'm not a boxing expert i'm reading here but but ring magazine which at the time like wrestling magazines was very important very influential he was ranked number seven he's a 42 and one like you said underdog how does he get into this fight in the first place are they looking for a warm-up to build up some buzz for tyson holyfield and this was just supposed to be the bridge in between that's a great question what happened there prior to the fight
1: is that Holyfield and Tyson could not come to terms on negotiations of their fight Oh wow. yeah, and there wasn't many available opponents to my knowledge to actually go into this fight, and Buster Douglas seemed to on record it, he was willing to go over to Tokyo and obviously get paid his million dollars because I think Buster made 1.6 million where Tyson made six. And so what happened was they couldn't really find a way to make Holyfield and Tyson work. Gotcha. And I think that Holyfield aftermath was really pissed because he's like, man, I'm going to make less money. I would think <laughs> Buster Douglas that I would fighting Mike Tyson. You know, Holyfield went on to bust up Buster and then also beat up Mike Tyson. But that's another story for another time. I think Buster had a great game plan. The thing about this fight that stands out the most is a lot of people will say that Mike, you know, might have been banging hookers and doing coke. And yeah, sure, he probably did. Whatever. I can't confirm or deny that again. But Buster Douglas is uncredited for how well he fought in that fight. Mm -hmm. And my thing is that I think that Buster should be way higher. Regarded to how great he did. Chab used um, his length, moving around Mike Tyson and not having fear. Look look at everyone feared Mike Tyson. Everyone feared Mike Tyson. Hmm. People would be lost in the ring. Like, they would lose before they even got in the ring. They'd lose in the dressing room. Right,
0: right. They'd be intimidated by him and then be mentally psyched out before the fight even started. Exactly. And
1: I thought, you know, Buster did an amazing job at cooling Mike down, cooling his jets, jabbing, everything that he had to do to galvanize himself from his mother's death. Like, there was a lot of passion in that fight. Like, I saw a lot of passion in Buster Douglas. Like, he never looked better. That was his peak. That was his high point where Mike fell short. And this is where Buster also rises and shows a lot of great things is that Buster actually exposed the game plan about how to beat Mike Tyson,
0: how to bully the bully. Well, and, and let like, keep that thought because I want, once again, so Buster here is 29, he's almost 30 and Mike is 23, like we said. So there's a little bit of a difference in, in age here and basically Buster was expected to uh, lose in 90 seconds or so. Actually, it says that, uh, I like this one. When asked by a Japanese customs official how long he expected to be working in Japan, Ed Schiler of the Associated Press replied, oh, about 90 seconds. <laughs> Those guys, everyone was going in there like, oh, this is just a, a bridge thing. But what you did mention, and you can neither confirm nor deny, but Bobby Brown, obviously the the, the singer Bobby Brown, he wrote in his autobiography, he met with Tyson in Tokyo and the two partied extensively the night before the fight. And Brown claims Tyson refused to go to sleep early for the fight, deeming Douglas an amateur that he could beat if he didn't sleep for five weeks. So even Tyson is going in there with no care in the world. And once again, let's hypothesize here, Johnny, you're a boxing expert. And, you know, I've been in the, sh- in the business for 30 odd years. And if I was on that type of role that Tyson was, and you have this guy that you're expecting to beat 90 seconds, I might have stayed up partying all night too and went, ah, who cares? Like you just mentioned, my worst night is going to be a thousand times better than this tin can's best night. Do you think there was some of that element going on? And do you believe what Bobby Brown said here on this night?
1: There is no doubt in my mind. I was kind of like hinting at this before is that everyone's telling you you're the best boxer in the world. You're invincible. You have yes men around you. Right. You know, that new corner in Tokyo was not the same corner that was capable of putting on end swells like I was talking about. So, like, we got Mike Tyson. We're going to everyone up. It's not going to matter. Right. Yeah. I think that a lot of that has to do with the swelling and what Mike Tyson's loss in Tokyo has to do with that. Again, I don't want to take anything away from Buster Douglas, but if you're not taking care of yourself, sure. Look at Mike Tyson's eye. He's swelled up big time. The swelling was tremendous. He's probably not properly hydrated. He's definitely not taking care of himself. I will say this from what I know, and I know from sources and I, I I'm not going to give too much away, but Mike Tyson was living his best life. Right, right,
0: right, 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 right. (laughs) Let's put it that way. He was having some fun. (laughs) I don't think it's a spoiler alert to be saying that. So just one last thing before we kind of get into the the details of the fight. You mentioned before that Tyson had fought in Tokyo already. Was going to, to Japan to have these title matches a fairly common thing? Because obviously it's a long way away, but... The Japanese were just as obsessed with Tyson. This is in the Tokyo Dome, which I assume was probably sold out, which is about 50,000 people. So there's a lot of money at stake to take this fight to Japan. Is that basically what we're saying here?
1: That's all it is. It's all money. And it's so funny when you watch those fights is that the crowd is so quiet. And this is like a big deal. Like, and you're looking at Mike Tyson going through the motions, looking at, The people are watching this fight, and this is Godzilla. Like, this is the biggest man on the planet, like the baddest man on the planet. And he's getting beat up, and like, you don't hear anything, you know. And that's what I hear about the Japan, you know, contingency. But that was all cash grab money. Don King setting up the way he wants to do it. You know, Mike obviously was big globally. I do appreciate the fact that they did want to make. Boxing more global, sure. That that's always a great thing for the sport, you know. And at that point in time, like the boxing was thriving. I mean, we had so many great fighters: Oscar De La Hoya, Mike Tyson, all all these great Holyfield, yeah, Holyfield, man. Like, and and I've had the opportunity to hang out with Holyfield and actually interview him. And just what a great individual, like so sharp and and so, dude, his head is a lot of people say he's a small heavyweight. I say, no. He looks like a lion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you a question um, to see if you can remember this. You mentioned that it happened in Japan. So was it live when you watched it? And if so, what time did you watch it live with your father? And conversely, what time was the flight at in Japan?
1: Okay, so I think in Japan, the time was probably like prime time, like I'm gonna say 10 p.m. their time. Yeah. My father, a huge boxing fan, and we had one of those finished basements in New Jersey, like which was a big deal. Like, wow, you got a finished basement in New Jersey, you know, you got a couch and carpet. (laughs) My father, huge boxing fan. And so we sit down and uh he's like Mike Tyson's gonna face Buster Douglas tonight. I'm like, oh wow, that sounds interesting. Everyone wants to watch Mike Tyson. So when I watched it, I'm going to say it was
0: very early in the morning. A couple quick quotes here from Mike that I just found. On January 8th, 1990, I got aboard a plane to fly to Tokyo, kicking and screaming. I didn't want to fight. All I was interested in then was partying and f***ing women. (laughs) That's this exact quote. And then he says, I didn't consider Buster much of a challenge. I didn't even bother watching any of his fights on video. I had easily beaten everybody who had knocked him out. And then the last question he said, um, I guess there was the fighting kind of idea is that you don't have sex before the fight because it makes you crazier. And he said, besides having sex with the maids, I was seeing this young Japanese girl who I had sex with the last time I was in Japan. Robin, his wife would go out shopping, and I would go downstairs to the back of the hotel where this young girl had a room and have sex with her. That was my training for Douglas. I believe in all that <laughs> based on what I know. Wow. You know, I, I
1: think Mike was uh very young. Like again, I go back to the point where everyone's saying, you know, you're the greatest heavyweight of all time. You're invincible, you're impervious, you're all this. And then next thing you know, like you're not, but I think that he really believed that Buster Douglas wasn't shit. But we got to really look at Buster Douglas going into this, man. And he's a big boy. He's taller than Mike. And Mike always had a hard time with guys that were bigger than him. Right. That usually happens. Like, I mean, look at what happened with Lennox Lewis. Look what happened with Holyfield. Buster Douglas is an underrated, big, heavyweight champion. But a lot of people have the thought in their head about buster douglas uh look what happened with holyfield when holyfield starched him in in three rounds but that was holyfield and maybe buster got loose like mike got loose i think mike got a little loose prior
0: to the fight but i don't want to take anything away from what buster did sure it's it's a combination of of it's one of those things if this didn't happen that wouldn't have happened but all of these things combined to just create this amazing upset. and Like you said, Buster was six inches taller than Tyson, so there's going to be a lot more of a reach advantage there uh, right out of the gate. So let's talk about the actual fight itself, what transpired during this fight, and kind of some of the highlights from, from what you have seen and what you remember. I'm sure you've watched the fight since. Kind of talk about how it went right from the start.
1: Buster Douglas came out and had a great jab and a whole lot of fire to his game plan mike tyson was a little bit slow to start but he started to use his uh maneuvering and starting to do like mike tyson type stuff but it wasn't working buster had a game plan i I think that's really what it comes down to with this fight
0: is this game plan was so sharp do do you know who buster's camp was like who was Was there some famous prominent members of of the boxing history that were running his fights kind of? Well, here's what's up. The training camp was
1: really good for him and he comes from a boxing background. His father was actually a professional fighter as well. He, I think he used a lot of that tutelage, but I I think at the end of the day, it's the, the mother passing that really galvanized him. I think it made him really want to fight excellently. And you know, I have to say this, that Buster was a better fighter than his father. And I'm going to tell you in a lot of ways why. The way he maneuvers, mm-hmm. the way he jabs, it's really impressive. Like, his angles for a big man, a lot of people, again, give credit to, like, and I love Riddick Bow, I love Lennox Lewis, but a lot of people give too much credit and not too much to Buster Douglas about big guys that fight. And have agility. Like, Kalichko was one of them. Great, great fighter. Has agility. Buster Douglas looked like a house on fire, dude. Like, when he went in there and was doing jabs at angles, like a middleweight, against a guy, Mike Tyson, that is fast and powerful and explosive, that really blew my mind. I was like – and even as a kid, and I watched the fight recently – and I think it's one of the the craziest fights in boxing history. I think it's the biggest upset. But then, if you look at the facts going in, if you look at certain things going in, Mike Tyson had a lot going on in his personal life, the divorce, like we spoke about with Robin, the thing with Don King that was going on with Don training, you know, changing his training camp rather, and a whole lot of stuff going on. They both were dealing with a lot of adversity. But Buster had the, the mental wherewithal to deal with the adversity and make it something that was great. If you look at the fight overall, Buster Douglas dominated it. But there is a round that is very controversial, and I'm sure, Chris, you want to talk about it.
0: I do, but before we get into that, because what you're basically saying is this is almost like a Rocky Four, where Apollo Creed was so up his own ass with the living in America entrance and the show business and the and the you know messing around that that uh, Drago was ready and I feel the same thing happened with Douglas like you said we can't deny Douglas's training and also too if you got a guy who's seven notches under Tyson but he's training as hard as he possibly can and you get the champ who's lazy and he didn't even train for the fight they said there was a public workout where they charged 60 bucks a head to watch Tyson work out, that they had to cut it off because Tyson's sparring partner was getting the better of Tyson, and they're still not picking this up. I think, like you said, it's it's the combination of all these things happening. So when Douglas comes in, and before we talk about the controversial round, I want to get to what you've mentioned many times about the end swell. In the fifth round, he gets rocked in the face, Tyson does. And like you mentioned, and we'll post a picture of this when this comes up his eye is swollen to the top now we've seen it many times you put the compress on it whatever you have these guys didn't have anything what why were they was even his corner underestimating Douglas that badly or, or what happened there
1: i think they underestimated buster douglas and they didn't know what they were doing they they were not capable you know cornermen no matter what like you got to have that you can't put a condom water balloon on someone's face and and think you're going to get swelling down you got to put the cold compress on you got to put the steel metal on there and and just chill it out and move it there's a certain maneuver that you have to do and I'm sure you know about this from wrestling and I know about this from boxing and also training you got to move all that stuff right 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 fluid stay there
0: have you heard the story about the guy getting the chain from his id badge caught between the compress the condom in oh, his face. Oh, Jesus. Let me hear about <laughs> Check this. Check this one out. It says, Tyson's primary cornerman caught the chain from his ID badge hanging around his neck between the iced condom glove and Tyson's eye. As Snow moved, Tyson Winston Payne as the chain dragged from one side of his injured eye to the other. It's like the Three Stooges. This is the world champ. It's Mike Tyson. God. What the f- are they doing? Unbelievable. They like, have to go there. Like you said, there was nobody – manning the ship there was no customado was no brian epstein to make sure listen tyson's off his rocker but you guys better be there for him there was nobody to do that
1: there were just yes men
0: yeah and and as a result and don king should have been involved he wasn't and then look what happened so let's talk about the controversial uh, moment in the fight that happens later on
1: yeah man i mean there were yes men that came into that corner they were just there for the ride and I respect anyone that does anything with combat sports. And I know that they have like an idea of what it is, but I mean, Chris, you know about this, man, like you guys are gladiators. You do your thing and you got to have competent people around. You got to have people around you that know how to take care of you. If you have injuries or if things go under duress and Mike Tyson's people, they had no idea. They just thought, they were going to go in there. It's like, do due diligence. Look at who Buster Douglas was. Look look at what he could do. And at the end of the day, even if he wasn't beating Mike up too much, which he was, by the way. Wow. If he wasn't, like at least have a game plan if he gets cut.
0: How about a cut man? They had no cut man. Jeez. They didn't even have a cut man. So, so was Douglas winning in points? Yeah, totally. Gotcha, gotcha. On the
1: judges' scorecards, they, they had him up as well. He was thoroughly dominating Mike. You know, the jab, the angles. That's what I always tell people that I find fascinating about boxing is jabbing and angles. Moving around, like, say, for example, like Buster Douglas, conventional fighter. So he's got a great left jab. You kind of double up, triple up on it. And then you move to the right and you could shoot it overhand, you shoot something to the body. There's a lot of things you could do off the jab, which I always find very fascinating. While watching the fight recently is seeing Buster Douglas as a big guy, but in the best shape of his life. he he never gotten better shape. But the best shape of his life, working off the jab, fighting like a middleweight, this is why I feel Mike Tyson had complications and problems. The thing is, if you watch historically with, with Tyson, who I think is one of the greatest fighters ever, I don't want to take anything away from him. But if you start out boxing him and if you start making him question himself, he'll just fold. Right. He won't fight back as a man. Respect, like you could take punishment. But the thing about Mike that, he does is that he doesn't counter. He likes to lead. You know, he's not a very good counter puncher. He likes to lead. He likes to come in forward aggression, especially hooks to the body uppercuts. I mean, not that he's not capable of countering and not that he hasn't done it in the past. That's not his nature. If you
0: start messing with him, Mike will do something. And well, it's the story too. Johnny is, is, Tyson, we mentioned before, they're expecting him to win in 90 seconds, and a lot of his fights were over very quickly. The longer these fights go, I think the less efficient Tyson was, and you can see that for the rest of his career. When he was knocking dudes out in 90 seconds, that's easy. When you got to start having the strategy in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, that's where the real true testament comes in, and if Mike wasn't all there mentally, it's hard to get into it quickly when you know, holy shit, I'm on the run, and I haven't even trained yet, you know?
1: totally like i mean he's expecting himself to go in there and he's got yes men again around him where he thinks he could just go in and dismantle and destroy which he's totally capable of i mean I, i one of the greatest fighters i think in heavyweight history and in boxing history this was the biggest upset not only in boxing history but i think in sports in general let's talk about the eighth round let's talk about what
0: happened in the eighth round
1: Eighth round was incredible. Mike Tyson's got a swelling on his eye, and he's still trying. And he hits Buster Douglas with this uppercut that comes from the pits of hell. (laughs) And you think Buster Douglas is done, and you're watching it. And the referee is counting, and this is the controversy. The referee is counting. Buster Douglas does what a responsible fighter does. He's watching the count from the referee. Right. So he gets up at nine. Now that count is long. I'm not going to disagree. But Buster Douglas does the right thing and takes his time, in my opinion, to look at the referee and be like, shit, how much more time do I have left? Mm-hmm. So the referee's like, nine, nine and a half, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> Buster gets up. Looks at the ref, checks him. Now, does 13 seconds lapse? Yes. Yes, it does. It goes too long. But the fighter is doing what the fighter does. If I get dropped in a fight, I'm going to do the same shit. I'm going to
0: take my time. But what the controversy also came from, too, is that because the knockdown timekeeper started counting a second or two earlier. So there was two separate counts going on, which is why people were thinking that Tyson won. Some people weren't. So there was a real controversial moment there, right? That's exactly correct. Is that the
1: timekeeper ringside started it a little bit early. The thing is that when Douglas got up, like he was cognizant. He had his wits about him and he was just going by the ref. Like, you can't hear everything, especially in an arena. You know about that, man. You've got crowds around you, people screaming, going crazy. So he had to just adjust to the referee's account, in which he did. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he got his ass up. It was smart to do that because a lot of fighters, they make a bad mistake where they get up too quick and they look drunk at the club, bro you see it like they walk around, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they fall into like pillars and they get all messed up. Like, you gotta wait. Like, if you get dropped, you like, yeah, take a second. If you know, focus your eyes on the lights above, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like,
0: <laughs> well, that's what Douglas did, though. That's what he did.
1: You know, Mike, I, I love the fact that Mike still tried. And then if you look at the next couple, um, moments that happened buster douglas actually got pissed off it seemed about what happened to him because he was doing so well mm-hmm. and i i think that that knockdown really upset him and i think what it wanted him to do was to get back and get back on track and then we see one of the greatest combinations i think in boxing history like you know, there are so many things that go down in boxing history in this fight. Buster Douglas, what he did to Mike, the way he took him out was probably one of the most ridiculous, amazing combinations I've ever seen. I'm going to tell you why ridiculous and amazing is heavyweight ranks fast. The guy came off the mat to do this like he programmed it in his head to say, you know what? I don't give a f- who you are, how bad of a mother effer you are. I'm gonna come out there. I'm gonna shoot a left hook, a right hand, an uppercut, body shots, and I'm gonna take you out. That's the only way to get Mike out at that point in time. You gotta finish him with like a four or five piece. It's not gonna be one shot and done. You gotta, you gotta get him out with multiple combinations. Like yeah, check that out, dude. Like, that's a serious combination.
0: Well, and with that combination, he knocks Tyson down for the first time in Tyson's career. Correct?
1: He, I believe, Mike went down in an earlier fight, a flash knockdown, but not like this.
0: Cause, yeah, because and even I remember this—the famous moment where he, his 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 mouthpiece came out and he goes to put it back in, but it's kind of backwards. They're like the one side is out, one side is in. He's has rocked at this point.
1: Yeah, what happened with Mike at that point in time, he actually addresses this, is, is that Mike Tyson says that the reason why I didn't get up so fast, I don't think it's an excuse, I think it's legit, is that he's a practitioner of the game. He wanted to pick up his mouthpiece to continue. Yeah. He's like, I can't fight without a mouthpiece. So he, you see him, actually, that's a great point, Chris. He's looking for it, and he finally puts it in, but you could tell he's, he's done. He, th- there's no reason for him to fight past that point. He hung in there. He, he, dude, he could take a punch unlike anything I've ever seen.
0: And the thing is, too, he was still trying to get up, but the ref actually counted him out. That's the actual finish. It's a TKO. Tyson loses. Douglas wins. So what's the reaction from the world when word gets out that Mike Tyson was beaten and not just beaten, he was technically knocked out?
1: I think a lot of people could not understand the gravity of the situation in terms of like the disbelief in terms of Mike Tyson, this invincible figure. Now they're looking at it like anyone could be beaten. There is no Superman. There was a lot of people that could not comprehend it, that this great man, this physical being this this incredible personality was able to be disabled by a guy that nobody knew i think it confused a lot of people to be honest with you i think it confused people i think it put a like a reality grasp of concept about how combat sports really work right it's heavyweight boxing Anyone could knock anyone out at any time and the same in boxing in general. So I I think it confused the world because Mike Tyson was this big polarized figure. And he, as he should have been, you know, he was kicking everyone's ass at a young age, but at the end of the day, someone came in and I think it showed the world what, what a capable boxer can do to a sensation. Like it's, Look at the uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Right, everyone like thought like bomb squad, and I'm a huge Deontay Wilder fan, but anything could happen in boxing.
0: It took a few days to to become official though, because Tyson and and Don King put in a protest yep. that the ref had given Douglas a long count. So it did take a few days before it became official. Why did they decide to? I guess, ignore the protest because you would think at this point in time, Tyson's the cash cow and Don King is kind of the, you know, orchestrating, pulling the strings of the business. How, how was their protest basically shut down? Do you, do you have any inter- idea on that?
1: I think they went through the count, the long count. That's what Don was uh protesting. What I think happened was that the council and we know with boxing, like, I mean, it's so shady, But it was undeniable that Buster Douglas got the win. Right. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I I think that's what they looked at the most is to see that Buster actually got the knockout and that Mike wasn't all on point that night. As far as the count goes, I know Don King was very adamant about going after the councils and, and trying to get everything reversed and all that kind of stuff. but. The referee's decision and the judge's decisions about whatever that happens in boxing usually results in the end result. The referee did the right thing. He counted it the way it was. Buster responded responsibly with the count, and I I think that uh, Don was just trying to keep Mike Tyson's name of value, because I never understood this, man. I'm going to tell you, Chris, I never understood this. If one person loses in boxing, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like, why do people write people off so quickly? Like, why? Mike lost. But I think that Dom was trying to protect the undefeated record. But at the end of the day, it's like the fans know what they saw. It doesn't matter. A fight's a fight. Even if there is a situation where there is controversy, at the end of the day, they still went on. And what did Buster Douglas do? He knocked him the F out. A fight's a fight. Like, people won't forget what they saw. You can't undo that. Sure. For me, like, Don King, I think, was just really trying to uh, to put things together to, to protect Mike which I find odd because he actually ended up screwing him (laughs) another story for another time.
0: As we start to wind down here, was there ever a rematch between the two? Where did the career paths of Tyson go and Douglas go after this?
1: Okay. So Buster Douglas goes and fights Evander Holyfield and Evander Holyfield destroys him (laughs) in three rounds. Wow. One of the greatest counter uppercuts I've ever seen in my entire life Vander Holyfield actually studied for this. He actually put in the work because he watched the Mike Tyson fight and he watched Buster Douglas fight. Mike Tyson goes on a path of eh, a lot of stuff. Continues to fall apart basically, right? Yeah. You know, he lost to a lot of guys he shouldn't have lost to. You know, he fought a lot of fights. He tried. I think at that point in time it was money. I don't think it was passion. I think at one point in time, Mike Tyson had a lot of passion for what he did. I think a lot of guys went after him as a mark to be like, I could get him right now. Right. But I, I, I think that um, where Mike's at right now, he seems very peaceful. He's got a podcast. You know, I, I just think that um, at the end of the day, he's he's in a good, great place and You know, we got to look at him as
0: I'm going to say in the top five heavyweights of all time. And and maybe not even technically, I'd say from a icon point of view and from a perception point of view, I think he's top two. I think there's Ali and Tyson. There's your two biggest heavyweight fighters of all time, whether they're the greatest technically in the ring or not from a perception and and a larger than life persona. Those are your two. I was going to ask you that question. Who wins, Ali or Tyson? In a fight? In a boxing match? Once again, I mean, if you look, and and this is a great last way to end it off, and I'll ask you your thoughts. For me, if you look at the two in their prime, Ali's strength was being able to absorb punches. Obviously, everyone knows the rope-a-dope, where he would just get the shit kicked out of him until the guy got tired. He blew himself up, as we say in wrestling, which I think led to the Parkinson's that he had later on in his life. But if you had, you know, Ali of seventy-three versus Tyson in eighty-eight, I think Ali would have been able to absorb that punishment until Tyson blew himself up, and then Ali would have would have gotten the advantage and won. That's just my thought about it. How about you? For me, Mike
1: Tyson knocks him out
0: ah uh, early on, early on, yeah, fast, yeah.
1: quick. Because you know he's got to understand exactly the uh, points that you made is that Ali's going to box. Right, and Mike Tyson, you know, he's a good boxer, but I don't think he wants to deal with that shit.
0: Right, exactly. You know, so he's going to want to try to get it out of
1: there as quick as possible.
0: Uh, once again, it's great talking to you, Johnny, and uh, we'll, we'll love to have you back to discuss more of this, but but definitely the biggest upset in history for sure because Tyson was never the same after this. No. Uh, and I don't think the sport of boxing was either, right? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this is
1: that it was the blueprint to many people, to come in and show Mike that they will not be bullied if you bully the bully, you know, and you look at the Holyfield, even, like, you know, I mentioned other fighters, too, like Lennox Lewis, Danny Williams. Like, there was a lot of guys that just did not put up with it. It was an exposure, and credit to Buster Douglas. Like I said, you know, numerous times, like, you know, he went through a lot of shit. I I think his thing was that he wanted to not be bullied and show Mike Tyson something that Mike's never seen. He had no fear.
0: And that paid off as uh, as he won the championship from the undefeated Mike Tyson. So thank you, Johnny. Great talking to you, man. That was awesome. Hey, I thank you, brother.